Hey, good day, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining us today. And I pray that you will receive and respond to God's word, uh, whatever he lays down in your heart as you listen and as we continue our series entitled Rethinking the Church. And we are now in the week three of our series. And in this series, we are actually learning together the, the teachings um, in the Bible about the church. So as you know, we are using the features of a human body because this is uh, one of the ways the church is described in the Bible, that we are the body of Christ. And last two Sundays, we just finished the first feature, which is the skeletal system, right? That gives the framework or structures a human body. And I laid down to you the five non-negotiable truths that we need to be committed to and not compromise as a church. And today, we will fo focus on the internal system, um, it, referring to the certain spiritual attitudes we need to cultivate. And internal attitudes that comes from the Spirit of God are really important because if um, you can do a lot of things and participate in many programs like giving your money, um, coming to church Sunday after Sunday, online, <laughs> online service, or do mission and discipleship and other activities Lots of activities. And those things are really important. And we will cover those when we talk about the muscular system after adding a feature. But if we don't have the right attitudes in our hearts, it's really pointless, honestly. All our labor is in vain because God sees the attitude of our hearts. And that's what matters to Him. Because it's possible that you can do good things outwardly but with a bad attitude. That's why it's really important to emphasize the fruit of the Spirit, the internal attitudes. Now, for four Sundays um, starting today, we will be talking about the internal system. And just a heads up lang ha, um, I will be covering a lot of attitudes in every sermon and I will do my best to be concise as possible and not really miss anything. But if naaganit ko miss or maybe there are things na kong ingon that are not clear, say muha need pa explanation. Ako encouragement say muha is join our after service fellowship. Right after the, the sermon, uh, we will send you the Zoom link so that you can um, ask questions and we can discuss together with the community about what has been preach today. So let's go with the, the first attitude. So the first attitude we need to have um, is obedience. All right. God calls us to be obedient people and an obedient person does whatever God says to do, uh, whatever God says to do. When God says you do it, you do it. All right. You don't compromise or argue about it. You just do it. Luke 6, 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And it's really clear here that if anyone recognizes Jesus Christ as his, um, his or her Lord, then the first requirement from such a person is utter and total obedience. Now, I, I want to tell you what lordship is all about because the key to an obedient life is by understanding the lordship of Jesus sa toang kinabuhi. And here's the thing. The... Uh, Lordship was at the very heart of Jesus' redemptive work on the cross and his resurrection. It's at the very heart. Paul makes this clear in Romans 14, 8-9. Paul says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. 
So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. So the point is clear that nobody who is in Christ lives and dies to him, to him or herself. You know, if you are in Christ, you live and die for his sake as the Lord of your life. Why? It says, for to this end. So this truth um, supports the, the premise that whatever we are, uh, whether we are alive or dead, we are to live for the Lord or we belong to the Lord Jesus. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So it's it's very clear that Jesus came to redeem us and save us from our sins and rose again on the third day to be the Lord of our lives. So lordship was at the very heart of Christ's redemptive work. And if you claim to be a Christian, then he is to be the Lord of your life. You live and die for him. So this is very important for us to understand because many think that they can really receive Christ as Savior while rejecting him as Lord and therefore do not have to not have to obey him. That's actually that's actually not biblical. And A.W. Tozer um said something about this. No Christian believer should ever forget what the Bible says about the person and the offices of the eternal Son, the Christ of God. God hath made this same Jesus, whom ye, ye have crucified, both the Lord and Christ, he cited in Acts 2.36. The apostle Peter did not claim Jesus only as a Savior. He preached to them Jesus as Lord and Christ and Savior, never dividing his person or his offices. So the point is this. Christ is both Lord and Savior, or he is neither. When we accept Jesus, we cannot really separate his Saviorhood if not even a word, from, from his lordship, you know, because God the Father made him both and we cannot really separate him and take what we want and live the other. Maunang, whenever we share the gospel, um, after we share that Jesus is the savior who can really save people from their sins by faith in him, we always communicate at the end that true saving faith is marked by a life of obedience or good works. Not for us to be saved by our good works, but because we are saved for good works. And that's very important and I emphasize that when we share the gospel that we are to obey because we recognize that Jesus is our Lord. But the question now is this, what does this word Lord mean, right? We understand now that Jesus is not just the Savior but the Lord of our lives and we obey in submission to his Lordship. But what does Lordship or Lord really mean? Now, here's the thing. Uh, to say that Jesus is Lord means that he is the ruler the boss, the master of your whole life. It comes from the Greek word kurios. Um, it means um, the owner, one who, who has control of, of the person or the master. And uh, implication, Anne, is this. Um, to say that Jesus is the Lord of our, our lives means um, to acknowledge his ownership and give up our personal rights. If he owns you because of what he has done for you, then you are not your own now. You don't have the right to operate your life apart from his control. And you don't have the right to say no to him because he's your boss. He's your master, right? And you don't dictate him. Okay, You don't dictate him or use him. Importante kayo na to understand it because, for example, if na kay boss karon, dili man ka mo ingon sa imong boss, boss, buhata ni or buhata na. Kani atong target this month 
um, dapat matapos ni mo ni on or before the deadline, boss, ha? I mean, kung yung anak ka nga employee sa imuhang boss, I, I salute you, right? You're one of a kind. You're so special. But if he is the boss at ang ginabuhi, we are not the captain of our ship now, but he is the captain now and we bring every area sa itong lives under the sovereign rule of Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives and whatever he says we do, we do it. An American um, missionary said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Now, I can think of no better example here of total surrender than F.B. Mayer. Um, he was a Baptist preacher and a pastor of Christ Church in the heart of London uh, in the 19th century. And in the midst of a successful ministry, F.B. Mayer confessed that something was lacking in ministry. And J.H. Howitt uh, recounts the following story. Right? He said, Dr. Mayer has told us that his early Christian life was marred and his ministry paralyzed just because he had kept back one thing from the bunch of keys he had given to the Lord. Every key save one. The key of one room was kept for personal um, use and the Lord shut out. Um, the effect of the incomplete consecration was found in lack of power, lack of assurance, lack of joy and peace. The joy of the Lord begins when we hand over the last key. We sit with Christ on his throne as soon as we have surrendered our crowns and made him sole and only ruler of our life and its possession. So we see here that F.B. Mayer experienced the lordship of Jesus Christ when he handed over the last key. But sadly, many of us would say, Lord, kanira ako ang surrender sa imo ha? Musabot raman ata ka, Lord, di ba? Kabalo ko nga mali jud, dili mo forgive. But listen good siya. And and I know watching, you know, pornographic videos or images is is wrong, but gamayra ni siya, Lord, nga compromise. Wa bitaw ko nakapasakit sa uban. Okay ra naman na si Muha Lord, right? Say nga na right? Uh, faithful bitaw ko mag-attend og online service, nag-pray ko every day and read the Bible every day and so on, but dili lang kaninga area sa akong life. Now, I don't know unsa Panga areas among life that God, where God says it's wrong, but you keep on justifying yourself or making excuses. But if He is really the Lord of your life, um, then you must surrender your life to Him and obey Him. If He is the Lord of your life, you are going to do what He says or what He tells you to do, and you do it. And remember, if He is not the Lord, so if He is not the Lord of all, you know, of every room, then He is not the Lord at all. So let me ask you some questions here. Have you yielded keys to every room in your life? Does he have the key to every room in your private life? Does he have the key to every room in your physical or public life? Or is there a room marked private? Keep out Jesus. Now, if not, you must be willing to surrender that key to the Lord. And just a reminder, lang ha, um, our obedience is always motivated by love. Um, John 14, 15 says, Jesus said, If you love me, Keep my command. So we obey out of our love for God. And Kaninga Love Nato is a response of our understanding on how much God loves us, how He He gave His all for us. He gave His life for us. So Akulani emphasize because today the word the, the word obey has a negative connotation. Diba? We view obedience as a forced decision to do something, even though dili kaganahan kay mahadluka sa punishment. Or sometimes we obey kay mahadluk taon sa ingon or buhato ni boss sa toa. 
right? But that's not the kind of obedience that Jesus wants for us. He wants us to obey out of love for Him. Not kay na force ta or na hadlok ta, but because we understand that God loves us so much and He is always for our good. We we need not to be afraid to obey Him because He is not a boss who is against you, but He is for you. And therefore, in response, uh, we love Him by obeying His commands through the power of the Spirit. So here's my point. If the Lord Jesus asks us to do something or tells us to refrain from something, we can trust that he has our best interest at heart, even if we don't understand it or agree sometimes, right? And I hope you get that. And I hope as you're listening now and God is convicting you of something, um, obey it. If if the Spirit of God teaches you a truth, apply it in your lives. When God reveals something to us, it's not something to be negotiated. It's simply meant to be obeyed. And we can trust Him because He is always for our good. Now, the second attitude a Christian should have is this humility. Again, humility. Now, in churches today, uh, Christians often find it hard to get along with one another, right? This is just a reality. Even it happens in our church. We live in this fallen and sinful world, you know, survival of the fittest mentality. You know, the price goes usually to those who are aggressive and those who pursue their own interests. Even sometimes, it means just to get what you want. And it's a natural survival instinct, right? To, to want to preserve ourselves first. To, to think about me first. Now, I heard a story of a mom. Uh, now, pancakes for her two boys. So, one is five-year-old uh, and the other is three. And while she's cooking uh, pancakes, kaning mga bata, kay nag-away sila kung kinsa ang una mukuha sa pancakes or sa first pancake. But their mother saw this situation as a teaching opportunity, right? To teach them the right thing to do. And she says to her boys, boys, um, if naapa si Jesus karon, um, he would probably say, I'm gonna let my brother have the first pancake and I will wait. And so the five-year-old boy immediately said to his younger brother, you be Jesus. <laughs> you be like Jesus. So the five-year-old child wants to, to have the first pancake, you know, me first mentality. It's all about me. But Paul's definition of humility should remind us that the calling of a Christian is to, re- to let go of this me-first mentality so that we can sacrificially serve others. In Philippians 2, um, 3a, it says here, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, you know what selfishness and vain conceit, right? Um, simply put it, it's pride. It's rooted to a me-first philosophy that you are at the center of the world, the center of, you want the, the, the attention of everybody. And this is actually the reason why Satan was kicked out of heaven. It's described in Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 14. It says here, You said in your heart, okay, Satan, Satan said, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So, as you can see, Satan is all about him. Right? It's all about himself. And this is the temptation that Adam and Eve couldn't really resist as well. But wanting to be like God. And the same temptation that we are all facing. We want to be in the spotlight. Wanting to be like God. To be served and not to serve. And if we live like this, actually we are never more like the devil. 
we are actually imitating him rather than Jesus. And also this verse reminds us that nothing we do as Christians ought to proceed from a desire to glorify ourselves. Nothing we do as a Christian should be done in order to make us look or feel superior to our brothers and sisters. Now I want you to um ask I want to ask some questions here to examine your heart. Okay? Do you think that you are the best Christian because you feel like you are more obedient? Do you think you're smart and smarter than others and have better opinions compared to others that makes you feel superior? Does leading your small group because naka position make you feel superior to those members in your group? Or do you feel better um, compared to other leaders kedaghan ka members sa group compared sa uban? Do you feel like you are more special to God because you have the that gift ang uban kay inganira ang gift and they the same level same Does being part of the worship team attract you because it is somehow a ministry where you can be seen in the public and you are not willing to be the person working behind the scenes? Now, I want you to search your heart, your, your own heart, and just check your motives if there's any hint of selfish ambition or conceit in you. And hear me. In God's economy, there is no place for self-promotion and pride. There's no place for pride. Pride is a destructive force, right? It causes us to put our needs above others, okay? It causes um, it focuses on self, wanting to be the, the center of attention rather than putting our attention to other people. It doesn't really recognize the importance of other people's gifts. Rather, pride makes you feel you know, above and more special than other people. But we should not live this way, okay? We should not live this way because the verses, um, verses 3b to 4 it tells us, it says here, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Get that? This is revolutionary. Um, Paul says that we are to live our lives looking out for the interests of others, valuing others above ourselves. It's a selfless give- living that we are to live serving others more than ourselves. Think of a mother okay, and her newborn child. A mother considers the little one, yahang anak, as better than herself in the sense that she stays awake. Bahala mapulaw na siya. Bisag kapoy na kayo yung lawas just to give her child a good night's sleep. And that's what God wants for us as well. It, it's others above self approach. Pride serves uh, self, but humility serves others. Humility gets down low and lifts others up. Humility looks to the needs of others and gives time and effort to help with those needs. And someone said that there are two ways to enter the room. Number one is you enter the room with this attitude, here I am. And the other way is to enter the room and you go, ah, there you are. So one is to have people notice me. Here I am. I'm so cool. Check me out. But the other is for me to notice people. Checking to see how I can I be a benefit to other people. So which one are you? How do you live your life in the local church? Which approach you take in the ministry to be noticed by people or to notice people? But why should we do this in the first place? Now, um, verses 5 to 8 gives us the motivation. It says here, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in a very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself of 
um, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Think about that. Paul calls us here to really consider Christ and what he did for us. Jesus humbled himself to the greatest degree, to the point of dying on the cross. And the cross was more than just a painful death, okay? It was also a degrading, humiliating form of execution. He did not die as a hero on a battlefield, but he died, okay? shamefully and innocently in public view outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And it was all part of God's plan for his life as a sacrifice for sinners like you and me. And have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are to imitate Jesus. Have this mindset of Jesus who humbled himself to serve others. Instead of our, you know, default mode, diba? Um, instead of our default self-promotion, instead of our idolatry of self, we are called to consider others better than ourselves. And that's the motivation right there. That's the heart um, of Christianity. It's all about humility and service, not a self-seeking way of life. And so... I know we all have this tendency, okay? If we are honest, we all have this tendency to look for our own interest first, right? And I don't know what that looks like in your life. How does this pride manifest in you? But hope we will have the same mindset as Jesus Christ for the sake of our brothers and sisters. So let me ask you some questions here. Are you willing to go down low so that the lives of your brothers and sisters in the body might be built up and edified? Are you willing to be nothing and have no one ever no notice your contribution, knowing that your reward is from the Lord? Are you willing to decrease so that Christ may be glorified in you and in the church? I don't know about you, but this topic of humility should help us evaluate um, the motivations of kasing kasing why we do what we do. Um, I, and I hope that we will be a church full of people who really seek to serve others sacrificially and value others above ourselves. Okay, so the third attitude now uh, we, that we need to cultivate is this, love. Okay, This is the third attitude. First, obedience. Next is humility and then love. Now, here's the thing. Only those who are humble can really show love, right? A humble person says, I care more about you than myself and acts out his care in love. But I want you to, I, I mean, I want to emphasize what biblical love is because the world's definition of love is different. You know, we sometimes associate love with whatever you feel and not feel towards a person. Love is about feelings. That's why the Gankayo issue or Bulag, uh, issue nga Bulag, Bulag or Kabit Kabitron that destroys relationship and marriages. And we hear statements like this, like, I just don't feel like I love her anymore. You know, um, the feeling isn't there. I've fallen out of love with her. But the problem actually, ending among statements, is that um, it it reveals our, our wrong perspective about love. And so if love is not a feeling, then what is it? That's actually a good question. And to answer this, uh, let's read 1 John 3.16. So love is a major theme in 1 John and, and that love flows out from our fellowship with Jesus. So John said, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So, one of the greatest um, mistakes we make in seeking to understand love is we sometimes look at our feelings. 
But this is, isn't the way to understand love at all. It Yes, it involves emotions, of course, but this verse tells us that um, the way to look at love or understand love is to look at Jesus, to look at a person, and that is Jesus. Jesus teaches us what love is. He is our example of self-giving, sacrificial love. Okay, His love is not just a feeling, but it leads to action that he laid down his own life and went to the cross. And this verse says that we ought to lay down our lives for our for others as well. So the point is this, love is always active. Love is always active. Love is not simply an emotion we feel, but it's an action we take. If if you read 1 Corinthians uh, Corinthians 13, it describes the characteristics of agape love, that love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't boast, and so on. And all of the all of them are verbs, okay? So love always acts, it's active as God in Jesus Christ showed his suffering love for us in the, in the painful act of laying down his life for us on the cross. We also are called to act for others. You know, you can, you can talk all you want about love, say to your brothers and sisters that you love them, but does it lead you to action? But what does it mean, you know, to lay down one's life for another uh, or lay down our lives for others? Now, verse 17 tells us, but if anyone has the world good deeds or the world's goods, it refers to the material uh, means of living comfortably in the world like food, shelter, clothing, and other stuff of life, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? The point is this, to lay down one's life for another is simply to respond to people in need. To lay down one's life for other means opening our hearts to the needs of people around us. And this involves practical and concrete acts of love. Now, dilipod pa sabot diri ang kung wala kay material possession, excuse na kaanin. No, you can also give someone your time and, and prayer and and any possible ways you can do to respond to needs of mga tao around you. Dili lang limited sa material stuff, of course. And when someone is in trouble, okay, here's the thing. When someone is in trouble or in crisis, are we willing to help that person? Sa ato ang makaya more than prayers. When someone is sick, do we find time to call that person or maybe send a message of encouragement to give that person hope? hope? And even give uh, finan financially to, to that person who is in in need or do we even take initiative to follow up a person who, who how is he doing now struggles and look for ways to help or do we even remember people in prayer right now or be praying for you brother or sister pero wala nag pray see it my point is that it doesn't have to be a big heroic act for you to lay down your life sa uban no a simple act of generosity will do. A simple prayer and encouragement for one another will do. Carrying each other's burden, kay karo na panahon, all of us has burden, especially sa pandemic, right? That's love in action in there, okay? And for most of us, especially in times of crisis, like karon, our default position good is self-preoccupation and self-concern, right? We think about ourselves all the time. It's easy to just really focus on ourselves rather than others. And it's easy to disconnect ourselves with the community. And the result is we don't really know the needs of our fellow brothers and sisters. But I hope that as a church, even in times of this pandemic, we will continue to be a church who sacrificially love one another, and that love is always active. It does something. As verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So don't just talk your talk, 
but walk your talk, right? Let's love not just in deed, but in words. No, let's love not just in words, but in deeds. So, um, do you have the eyes to see the pain or suffering or in the need of your fellow brothers and sisters and even say among workmates, schoolmates, or say among neighborhood and do something about it? And here's the thing, laying down your life for people, ngay mong ganahan is easy, right? But what about those people nga dili ganahan? We know that the church is um, full of messy and imperfect people and time will come that uh, we disappoint one another, um, we, we hurt one another, right? Or or um, we fail each other's expectations. So, unsa atong buhaton, does this principle, love in action, still apply to them? Even though para sa imuha, they don't deserve it? <laughs> Um, well, yes, it still applies to mga tao na dili kayo nato ganahan because this is actually what Jesus did for you and me. He did not die for deserving or good people, but to the wicked and rebellious people like you and me. Romans 5.8, it says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus has a reason, has reasons not to love us, and yet He gave His all for undeserving sinners like you and me. And that's why we call it grace. And just as we receive this grace freely in our lives, we ought to extend this by, by you know, to other people, by laying down our lives as well for their sake, even those people that we don't like. And this is very important to understand because uh, if dili nato ni masabtan, kaning sacrificial love of Jesus for us, and if dili niyang basis of loving other people, it's easy good to give in sa ato mga emotions, right? And not to love others, especially katong nakapasakit sa ato, amoy nga dahin ta. Sa uban nga, um, why should I forgive you? Nga grabe man imuhang pagpasakit sa ako, ah. Or why should I give you another chance if you failed me once, right? Why should I serve you? You don't deserve it. But what Jesus has done for us should motivate us to love even those people nga di ni mo ganahan. What if your brother sin, you know, sin against you? Do you harbor hatred or act in love by forgiving him or her? What if you see someone doing something wrong? Do you act in love by correcting and restoring that person or do you condemn that person? And what if ang person nga dili ni mo ganahan needs something and kabalukan na naay capacity? ka to help. May na baka nga, gaba, you know, tuara, <laughs> saktora. Or are you willing to sacrificially help that person even though this person you think does not really, is not really deserving and inconvenient para sa muha. Again, we define love um, by looking unto Jesus, His example, not our emotions. And it's not something that we just talk about, but it, is practical and concrete. If you say you love a person, that love leads you to action. And lastly, the fourth attitude or the, the fourth attitude is the attitude of oneness or unity. Now, on June 1858, Abraham Lincoln um, delivered a speech after he was chosen to run for presidency and there was a famous line that he said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I believe this is also true for Christianity. We as a church must be united in order to stand. Otherwise, if not constant tensions and fighting, it will tear us, tear us apart and we become an, ineff an ineffective body of Christ. In fact, God desires for Christians to get along. You know, Jesus was clear when he prayed in John 17 verses 20 to 23. 
Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone, for, for his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given, I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, the example of unity that Jesus um, gives here is the unity that he has with the Father. And there could, couldn't be better togetherness and intimate fellowship, right? And unity than Jesus and his Father. And, and he is saying that this is what he wants to see in his church, his body, to be unified. And he prayed that all of us, um, all of the believers would be unified so that the world will know that he is real in the way we interact with one another. You know what? Here's the thing. Our our unity church, although diverse, that we have different backgrounds and has different you know personalities and attitudes, our unity as a church gives a powerful message to the world. We know that the world is more divided than ever right now, right? You you cannot really scroll to Facebook or watch TV without hearing about division or, or conflict. You know, our culture, you know, is full of political conflict, racism, injustice, and many other weighty things that really divides us. There's hatred here and strife, and there's no shortage of arguments. People have different opinions about something, and we live in a chaotic world. But if we as a church live in perfect unity it becomes a powerful testimony to the world and paul echoed this um prayer in jesus as a as a command to the church members at ephesus where he said to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace so take note here that paul didn't tell them to generate unity they already had had unity you know they were just to keep it or maintain the unity God already gave them. And same as true with us, right? Same as true Satoa. When you become a Christian, God expects you to be a part of His church. But when you become a part of His church, He wants you to be a unifying presence there. And each one of us has the responsibility, you know, to keep the unity as people who belong to the same Lord, who has the same spirit, members of the body of Christ. You, I'm speaking to you right now, okay? If you're, if whoever you are watching on the screen, right? You have the responsibility to keep, protect, preserve the unity in the body of Christ. And let me just give you um, two common causes of this unity among Christians. Now, duha lang kay limited atong time and maybe there are other causes pa na inyong mahuna-unaan. And feel free to comment in the comment section um, if not by other reasons, disunited guy on body me Jesus and I, I'm sharing these so that uh, you would be aware and if you can identify yourself with one of these hope you would be humble enough to really repent and for for the sake of the church to keep the unity of the church so first is this gossip okay gossip is a good news among common causes of disunity you know the new testament word for gossip is literally a whisperer a person who whispers behind your back with the intention of hurting you simply put it you know gossip is talking about um people behind their backs and gossip is very destructive in relationships it hurts people it causes division and destroys trust as proverbs says in 11 
Proverbs 11.13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So we all know how difficult trust can be reclaimed once it's broken, right? Surely, recall ni mong time when you discovered a close friend of yours had started a rumor about you behind your backs. Okay, kayo sa tubangan, but ginalibak na di aika. Do you know someone who is still like that? <laughs> now, how heartbreaking it is to find, right, that or to find out that someone nga imuhang gisaligan ibetray ka by spreading rumors nga dilitinood. And here's the thing. We all have this tendency to gossip. You know, we have a tendency to talk about one another instead of talking to one another. Uzahay, you know, uh, kaning gossip, it really masquerades itself into simple prayer request lang. If dilita ka bantay, you know, it masquerades itself. Na magpa-prayer request ka, like you shared something on someone's behalf, but it includes unnecessary nga mga detalye nga wala pa nga ni na confirm kay wala pa kakatok anang a person. Maingon na ka na, you know what, naagid ko ipapray kaning a person kay na ako nakita dyan na something wrong sa iya ka and feel good na ko, feel na ko na, na naagid siya problem. Kinsa makarelate <laughs> Okay. Kinsa nagayin nga sa inyo. Ha? Bisag wala pa gayin mo na talk ang person to confirm, nag-una-una nakaog tabi-tabi sa uban. Or maybe you've shared words of concern kay naagi-share ang someone sa imuha, but instead nga dapat ikipra ni mo kay ikaw na dapat ang makabalo kay gisaligan kaniya. niya. Imo na noon gishare sa uban kay concern lagi ka aning a person. Okay? And you want other people to know, bisag wala pa ka nag-ask o permission. And as a church, here's the reality. Um, we are a family, right? And sometimes family members offend other family members, right? And when we are offended, it's really easy to tell others about how another church member or a leader offended us instead of talking to the person who offended you directly. And if na naganit sayop, mangluod na dayanta. And ang worst is, Itabi pagid nato sa uban para makahanap lang taog kauban that leads to disunity sa church. And here's the thing. We have to be reminded that gossip has its root, okay? Um the Lord Jesus taught us that all of the words we speak, good and bad, comes out from the abundance of our hearts. Matthew 5:18 it says, "But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. So what comes out sa atua reveals something inside. Right? And I believe that gossip as it's uh, at its root is the manifestation of pride in us. Someone has said this. Ako lang quote um, when we make negative statements about others behind their backs, we often do so because we want to feel powerful. And that's usually because we, in some way, feel powerless and unworthy. I believe there's a truth adding a statement that the reason why we gossip is it makes us powerful. It makes us feel powerful, especially katong dili nato ganahan. Ato lang sila daotan so that we can, you can, we can bring that person down and we bring ourselves on top. Or mang daota sa oban so that we feel more worthy and righteous in comparison with other people. So gossip really is so destructive in the church and bantayan natin ni. Okay? Bantayan natin ni sa kaugalingon because this is one of the weapons that the enemy uses to really destroy the unity in the church. And it's God's desire um, that we are unified body but gossip tears apart that unity. Okay, and second cause or reason of this unity is this unforgiveness. Now, one of the greatest hindrances for growing healthy relationships and building unity is holding on to offenses and failures sa mga tao. And too many times, um, 
members have anger and hurt because of something another member has said or done some members are angry and and hurt sila uh, at the pastor and staff because of something they said or they failed to do and even church leaders okay as well experience such pain from criticism lack of support from members and even betrayals and when this happens, usahay, atong ginambuhat, uh, we choose to carry a list sa mga sayup, sa mga tao towards us and ch- chose to to punish them by expressing our anger or through silence. Dili na dahin tamanagad, right? Or we pile up mistakes sa mga tao and keep them rather than releasing them by ch- choosing to forgive so that naata reason puhon nga muhawa sa church as church members or mukwitsa ministry as church leaders but remember this okay uh, remember that our lord and savior expects us expects forgiveness to be constant okay it's not occasional especially as followers of jesus in matthew 18 21 to 22 it says here then P- peter came to jesus and asked lord how many times shall i forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, here's the thing. The Jewish uh, rabbis at their time taught that forgiving someone more than three times was unnecessary. need. So if you forgive at least three times, it's very gracious. And mas amazing si Peter, seven times is young offering of forgiveness. So you can imagine his confidence and perhaps he was really expecting extra you know, commendation from the Lord Jesus. You know, the character ni Peter, right? Especially if nakita ka sa the chosen. But, but Jesus' response was, no. Forgive people 77 times. Now, by saying we are to forgive those who sin against us 70 times 7, Jesus was not limiting, you know, forgiveness to 490 times. He was saying that forgiveness is not to be done, limited, but it is to be abundant. We are to continue to forgive if people hurt us. And if you continue to read this chapter, uh, Makita Nimo following directly after his 70 times 7 speech, he drove home the point that if we are forgiven the enormous debt of sin against a holy God, how much more should we be eager to forgive those who sin against us? And Paul parallels this example in Ephesians 4.32 where he admonishes the efficient church to forgive one another. And he said this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So forgiveness is a clear teaching of the Bible. We are to forgive as the Lord uh, forgave us. And this is so relevant for us today because the world is full of people who have not dealt with an old hurt, people who look for things to criticize and find fault with. But as a church, we are to live differently especially among our brothers and sisters, to keep the unity. We are to live differently, not like the world, okay? When we hurt each other intentionally intentionally and unintentionally, don't let bitterness grow deeper. I know that forgiving is not fun, doesn't come easy because it requires giving something um, that is quite valuable to someone whom we see as undeserving, okay? But then again, Jesus has forgiven undeserving sinners like you and me, and this should motivate us to extend that grace to others as well. And and of course, um, ang power gudani comes from the Spirit of God who lives within us, who enables us to love, forbear, and be patient with one another. 
And if, and if aware pud ka naga nakapasakit ka sa uban, um seek for forgiveness pud. I swallow imong pride. Admit imong mistakes. After all, you were the one who is at fault and you are responsible for the hurt that you that that resulted and that hurt will only be healed if you seek to reconcile with your brothers and sisters. And I hope that we will really seek peace with one another as a church because this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus came to reconcile us with God and with one another. And this is Jesus' teaching and his mandate for us as his followers. So, four attitudes that we need to cultivate sa tong life. Um, first is obedience, humility, uh, love, and unity. And the challenge right now is this. Um, are we willing to participate with the Holy Spirit to embody these attitudes in our life for the sake of His glory and His church? And I hope you are. May these virtues we've studied will be present sa toang kasing-kasing this week and apply it by the power of the Spirit. So God bless you guys and let's pray. Father, I'm asking right now that you would impress upon every heart listening how much you love them how much you care for them, and the humility displayed by Jesus that led him all the way to the cross so that as a response, we would learn to value others more than ourselves, love that acts sacrificially towards others, and we become people who preserve unity and seeking peace with one another. And I pray, Lord, that we would also be obedient people who obey you no matter what the cost is, knowing that you are our Lord and you have the best heart for us. And Holy Spirit of God, we come humbly to you and asking you to empower us this week to live out these virtues in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you so much, everyone, for watching till the end. God bless you and see you next week.